you are aware, can we stand for the reading of the Word of God today? Thank you. Um, how many of you are aware that we're in dark times? Is that, is that a news flash to anybody? Now, what is the one thing darkness can't hang around or exist around or survive around? Light. Light is darkness's kryptonite. Right? Light. Now, here's the deal. When you and I got saved, we not only got saved, we got lit. Is that news to you? You got lit. If that is news to you, I'm about to show you from the Word of God, you got lit. And here's the deal. God was the lighter that lit you. Okay? But you and I are the keepers of that flame. Yeah, we are. God says, okay, I lit you. Now keep yourself lit. Stoke the flame. Rekindle it. Make sure the fire doesn't go out. Make sure you don't grow cold. Make sure you don't go lukewarm. Stay red hot. Right? So, Pastor Jeff, I just, I, that's hard. I don't feel like I did when I got saved. Welcome to the club. But here's the deal. I'm going to show you today in the Word of God that there are ways to keep ourselves lit and burning bright. Because God wants you and I to be, what do we call? Light of the world. Right? Well, you can't be a light if you're not lit. You can't be a light if you're not burning. We, we tend to get so caught up in our own stuff that we forget we're the lights of the world. Now, I want to read to you. I'm calling this message today, Throw Some Wood on the Fire. How's that for a down-to-earth title, right? Now, let me read to you out of 1 Timothy 4, real quickly. This is Paul writing to his spiritual son in the faith. Do not neglect, Timothy, the spiritual gift you received through the prophecies spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Now, that's 1 Timothy. Jump into 2 Timothy. Paul wrote him twice. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just like my ancestors did. And night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Wouldn't you love to have an Apostle Paul praying for you night and day? All right, look what he says. I long to see you again. For I remember, Timothy, your tears when we had to part ways. Uh, and I will be filled with joy when we're together again. Now, verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. Now watch how faith was passed down through his lineage. I remember your genuine faith, Timothy, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and then Lois gave the baton to your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So there you got the faith in Jesus being passed down. Grandma, Ma, Son. The baton was passed. Now, then he moves in to metal. Verse 6, this is why I remind you, Fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. 
Good news. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. He gave us a spirit of power. He gave us a spirit of love. He gave us a spirit of self-discipline or a sound mind or sanity. Right? So verse 8. So don't be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, Timothy. Don't be embarrassed of Jesus. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. All right? With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the gospel. God will strengthen you to suffer. Amen? Now, this is powerful. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today and pray that you would light our fire lord light us rekindle the flame help us to focus on the one thing that matters most we thank you for it in jesus name amen turn to your neighbor and tell them get lit All right. Now, a little bit of background here. Timothy was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He was the pastor of the Ephesian church. All right. He had been set in by Paul and the church elders. And, and he had received a spiritual gift when they laid hands on him and set him in. He had received a gift. And so this gift, uh, Paul describes it like a fire now when you and i got saved what happened to us was this holy spirit came to live inside of us the holy spirit came to dwell inside of us paul said if any man has not the spirit has not the spirit of god he's not his if you're his you've got the spirit of god living inside of you and it's compared to he's compared to a flame a fire that is lit in our soul. Uh, and for some reason, Timothy was struggling to release that gift, and he was struggling with keeping the fire burning. Now I'm going to tell you why I believe so uh, in a minute. But So Paul writes him, and, and notice, Paul writes him two letters, and in both letters, he's most concerned about this. He's very concerned about his son in the faith, uh, allowing the flame, the fire, the fire of first love, the fire of passion, the fire of zeal, the fire of excitement. He's very concerned that that fire in him is waning. He's a pastor, but it was waning. We know it was waning because he said, stir it up. Well, you can't stir, stir something up unless it's waning. So rekindle it, Timothy. Rekindle the gift. He said, he said, don't neglect the gift. Don't neglect it. Don't, don't let it go dormant. Because what I put in you, what God put in you, is the number one most important thing in your whole life. What God put in you. Uh, what God did in you. Your relationship with Him. Uh, being ongoing and fresh and new and, and, and uh, growing and maturing 
coming to know him better and better and better and better, growing into the fullness of the stature of Christ. He said, Timothy, uh, not just because you're a pastor, but because you're a son of God, I don't want the flame to ebb. I want you to be lit and burning bright. Remember in the book of Revelation, when Jesus talked to Timothy's church, and he said, uh, uh, um, he said, hey, you've left your first love. He said, you better get back to your first love and be sure the fire of first love is burning or I'm going to remove my candlestick from the, from the church. Now, we'll talk, that's another different subject altogether, but I don't like the sound of it. You know, Jesus was looking at, what's your love level for me in the church? You know, on a scale of one to ten, where are you in your love level uh, in your fervency and your love for me, where are you? Okay? So he said that to the Ephesian church. To the Laodicean church, he said, I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold, but your lukewarmness makes me want to throw up. Everybody say, God doesn't like lukewarm. He said, if you're with me, get red hot. If you're not with me, go cold, but don't give me the lukewarm stuff. Amen. Now, in, so in 1 Timothy, remember to use the gift you have. 2 Timothy, stir it up. Be sure you stir it up. And then another version that we read, fan it into flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Fan it into flames. Rekindle it. Blow on it. Get it going. Get it burning brightly. Don't go cold on me, Timothy. Don't go cold on God. Do you know that Jesus said in Matthew 24, um, they said, what are going to be the signs of, of the last days, Lord? And one thing he said is the love of many is going to grow cold. Well, who's the many? Well, you can't have something grow cold unless it was once hot. So it must be he's talking about God's people. He said the love of many is going to go cold. They're going to, it's going to wane. And this is what Timothy, a pastor, was dealing with. So Paul says, it's like a flame, Timothy, and I want you to stoke it. I want you to fan it. I want you to be sure it's burning bright. Now, the Bible talks about a lot of different kinds of spiritual fire. This is spiritual fire. I've already mentioned Ephesian church. They had lost the fire of their first love. It was fire, and they lost the fire of their first love. It's like married people. They've been married 20 years, 25 years, and, and unless they've really worked on that marriage, which is like a garden, if you don't tend the garden and fertilize the garden and water the garden and make sure it gets good SO and light, then that marriage will wane. The love will wane. It will grow cold. It's the same thing with God. We've got to keep that love burning. And it's the number one most important thing for any believer. Because as goes your relationship and my relationship with Christ, so goes the rest of our life. Come on, everybody. Yes. It's like that old wagon wheel. Remember those old wagon wheels in the old westerns? Those wagon wheels and... and, and uh, when when the, the wagon train was going through the wilderness and they got attacked by Indians, the Indians would always light those arrows on fire and they would shoot for the hub of that wheel. 
Because if they hit the hub and got it on fire, it reached out and affected all the spokes that went out from it. Your relationship with Christ and my relationship with Christ, staying healthy is like that hub. Because if that hub's on fire, everything else in our life is on fire for his glory. Amen? Are you with me? The two disciples walking down the road to Emmaus, after Jesus had been crucified, they didn't understand it. They were upset. What's happened to our Lord? They didn't understand the crucifixion. And they're walking along, and Jesus eased up to them and began to open to them the word of God. And the Bible says they walked away with this testimony. Did not our hearts burn? Did not our hearts burn? When? As he talked with us and opened to us the scriptures. Jesus gave them Holy Ghost heartburn. Amen? There's bad heartburn, and I've had it before. Let me tell you, Rolaids, when you have that bad heartburn, you will crawl a mile to get a Rolaids. But watch this. There's good heartburn, and it's when your heart is on fire from the Holy Spirit of God. That is good heartburn. That's good heartburn. And we're called to walk in that. They said, that's our testimony. When Jesus was walking with us and talking to us, we had this Holy Ghost heartburn. And, and as soon as they realized who he was, they were right back in Jerusalem, right back in the middle of the work of God with hearts on fire. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, it says there was a vision. It, there, was a, there, there was an audio vision. They heard a wind and there was a video vision. They saw flames of fire over the heads of every disciple. Why did the Holy Ghost manifest as a fire? Because it was indicative of what would characterize the local church of that day. They were red hot with zeal and excitement for Jesus the entirety of their existence. We shouldn't be any different. God has called you and me to keep the fire burning. Amen. Are you on fire for Jesus? Let me ask you, are you on fire for Jesus? Come on, are you on fire for Jesus? That's what got me into preaching. That's what got me into doing it. My whole life has been spent ministering the Word of God. But what did it was, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And with that filling with the Holy Spirit came a red-hot, heartburned, fire, passion, burning to minister Jesus to people. And I'm not doing this because it's a duty. I'm not doing it robotically. I'm doing it because it's a divine want-to-do. God gave me a divine want-to-do. And he wants you and us us together to have a divine want-to-do. I don't want to just go through Christian motions. I'm not called of God to be a religious person and just do everything by duty. No, Christianity is an inside job. Christianity is an inside job. We're supposed to be lit and moved with Holy Ghost passion. Come on, church. Yeah. It reaches all the way back into the Old Testament. When God told Moses, I want you to build the tabernacle uh, so that I can have an altar there and there can be a place for the people to worship. He gave him the plans, and in those plans was an altar. And on that altar, when they dedicated the tabernacle, they, they made a sacrifice, and fire from heaven fell and consume that sacrifice but then god told them something very important once he lit that fire 
Here's what he said to them in Leviticus 6.13. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Say it with me. It must not go out. Now that's a divine principle. Because right there God established this is a fire that's going to burn forever. Do you know that when they built the temple and they went from the tabernacle to the temple... God sent fire again. And do you know that that fire never went out for four centuries? For 400 years, it never went out. The only time it went out is when they were invaded by the Babylonians and they burned the temple down. But until then, that fire, night and day, day and night, 24-7, never went out. Don't you know that's, that's a picture of the church? God lit, with them it was physical fire. But with us, it's a spiritual flame that God lights our hearts with love for Jesus. He lights our hearts with passion to do His work. He lights our hearts with evangelistic zeal to see the lost saved. He lights us on fire and we burn with supernatural fire. We come to the house of God not because we should, but because we want to. We worship not because we should, but because we want to. We can't wait to get into the presence of God. But Timothy, you got a problem, son. First Timothy, second Timothy. Why is it waning? Why is it waning? Because... Several things were happening to him. And I'll tell you quickly, because I want you to know, the one thing the devil wants to do with somebody saved is put the fire out. He wants to quench the fire. He wants to throw cold water on the fire. With Timothy, here's what was doing it. His father in the faith was arrested, imprisoned, and was about to be martyred. He loved him. And it was, it was sending him into despondency. Uh, Paul my dad in the faith is about to leave. He's going to be gone. Paul had already written him and said, you better get here before winter. Get here before it's too late. Come before winter, Timothy. Bring my scriptures. Bring the parchment. Bring a couple of my belongings. But get here before winter because by winter I'm gone. And Timothy was despondent. And it threw cold water on the fire. Because he was losing, he was losing someone. And some of you have lost someone. And it quenched the fire. I know people. They're not even in church anymore. Because they lost somebody and it quenched the fire. And they're not going back to God to let God rekindle the fire. And Timothy had a fear issue. Because Paul wrote to him and said, Timothy, when I lay my hands on you and you got the gift from heaven and you became a pastor... And when you got saved and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, Timothy, the Spirit of God inside of you is not a spirit that gives you fear. But it is a spirit that gives you power and boldness and love and sanity and self-discipline. The Spirit of God doesn't do this to you, Timothy. So he said, therefore, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be embarrassed of Jesus. Don't, don't be ashamed of him, and don't be ashamed of me, your father in the faith, just because I'm in prison for preaching Christ. So he had to deal with fear. He had to deal with loss. And I think people today, I think the enemy in the church at large 
has tried to extinguish the fire in the hearts of God's people. And I know many of you have felt it. You've been through things that the fire, you didn't have any desire to pray. You didn't have any desire to get in the word. You lost your desire to go to church. That fire that burned in you when you first got saved, you witnessed to everything that moved, even things that didn't move. But now the fire is only embers burning deep down in your soul, but it's not that bright flame that it used to be. Despondency over tough times threw cold water on it, dismay from many trials, doubts about God's care. If God really cared, why this, why that? Why am I going through this and that? Disappointment over unanswered prayer. I really prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God didn't answer and you're not even aware of it, but because God didn't answer the way you thought he would, it has put cold water on the fire inside of you. Weariness from busyness. You don't even know if you're coming or going. You gave up on a calendar. You gave up, you gave up on a schedule. Because you're so busy now, you can't keep up with your calendar. You're going here, you're going there, doing this and that and the other to make ends meet. You're full of distractions. Distractions have come upon our lives. The devil is the master distractor. He wants to pull you away from a singular focus on Christ. So that fire goes out. Because look, if he can quench the fire, we're not going to do much for Christ. Come on, everybody. If he can quench the fire, we don't feel like witnessing. We don't feel like going to church. We don't feel like praying or making a difference. But we've been called to make a huge difference. Come on. Now the good news is, even though it's burning embers, you still got some burning embers. That's the good news. So here's what I want to give you today real quickly. I'm going to give you three fresh logs to throw on the fire. How many of you want that? Three fresh logs. All right? Here's the first one. You got to remember the mercies of God. You got to remember the mercies of God. You got to remember all the times God was merciful when you were in trouble, when you didn't know which way out. When you didn't know what to do, God came through with mercy you and I did not deserve, but he came through with it anyway. He gave us mercy. How many of you can say, I'm here today because of the mercies of God? Amen. How many of you can say, he gave me mercy when I did not deserve it, but I took it anyway? Amen. You got to see what we tend to do is remember the wrong things. We focus on all the bad stuff. We get up remembering. I'm convinced. When we wake up, the devil's sitting right there to get us thinking about the wrong thing right off the bat. So you wake up, and what are you immediately thinking about? What they did to you. What they said about you. What, what that person at work, they're giving you a problem. Or your money troubles. Or your kids that went crazy. Uh, you're immediately thinking of all the negative, And you're remembering back. You're remembering back to things that hurt you and offended you and maybe got you a little bit jaded, and you remember all that, and we focus, we live life in the rearview mirror, looking back at the bad things, and we don't, we're not aware that when we do that, it quenches the flame. No, we're to look at, we're, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any virtue or any praise, think on those things. Amen. 
David one day, uh, before he was king, he went back to the city he'd been living in, which is called Ziklag. And as him and his men were coming back to Ziklag, they saw a curl of smoke rising into the air. And their hearts dropped, because they knew in those days that meant the city had been raided. And their wives were there, and their children were there, and their belongings were there, and their whole livelihood was there. And as they drew near, they realized the city was burned to the ground, and there wasn't a human to be found. The Amalekites had taken all their loved ones. Can you imagine waking up and realizing your children are in the hands of barbarians? And David and his men, it says they cried till they couldn't cry another tear. These were these were mighty men who had lived in war, but they cried till there wasn't another tear to cry. David lost his wives and children. He lost his city. And then he hears his men whispering about stoning him to death. He's lost leadership favor with his own men. Now he's alone. He's alone in life. He's got nobody standing with him. He doesn't know where to turn. In the natural, it couldn't look more desperate, more terrible, more dire. What am I going to do? These barbarians took everything. Instead of looking around or looking down or looking within, David got on his knees and looked up. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, when I read that, he encur- David encouraged himself. I mean, he had nobody there to say, come on, David, you can do it. Nobody was doing that. All he heard was, let's kill him. And, and, and everything is gone. He doesn't know that only a few days from now, he'll be anointed king. Everything is going to turn in just a few days. He doesn't know how close he is to the fulfillment of Samuel's prophecy over his life. He doesn't know how close he is. It's just days away. Hang on, David. And this was the juncture where he could have walked, he could have run, he could have fled, he could have given up, he could have thrown in the towel, he could have put up the white flag. Instead, he got down on his knees and encouraged himself. I want to know how he did it. How'd you encourage yourself? What'd you say to yourself? How'd you get back up and go take the Amalekites and defeat them and get your wives and children back and then your king in just a few days. How'd you do it, David? How'd you get out of this? Quagmire. Well, the Bible says when he faced Saul, when he was going to go kill Goliath, Saul said, you're just a kid. You can't kill him. David said, you don't understand. I got some mercies in my past. I got some mercies in my past. See, one time, Saul, I was tending the sheep of my dad, Jesse, And I heard a growl, and I looked out, and I saw one of my little lambs in the jaws of a lion. And I didn't know what to do, but suddenly something came upon me. And I knew that I could do what I cannot do in the natural. And I ran towards that lion, and I grabbed him by the beard, and I threw him to the ground, and I killed him with my bare hands, and stepped back and had a nervous breakdown. And essentially, the mercies of God, Saul, came upon me. And by God's mercy, I saved that lamb and saved my own life. Same thing happened with a bear. And then he said, this giant, 
He's coming down the same way. Because the same God that did it back then can do it again. Come on, church. I remember the mercies of God. Listen to this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never stop. They never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faith. Let me ask you, have you gathered your mercies today? Yesterday's mercies are used up. Tomorrow's mercies aren't here yet. But there's fresh mercy for today. And it's stored up for you and for me. Mercy. Mercy. How many of you have recently said, Lord, I need mercy? I don't need judgment. I don't need correction. Lord, just please give me mercy. I don't deserve it, but for Jesus' sake, give me mercy. Give my family mercy. Give my children mercy. Lord, have mercy. You're a God of mercy. Second log to throw on the fire is rehearse the promises of God. Let me just say quickly, nothing will fan into flame the gift of God in you, the Holy Ghost, the fire of passion, fire of first love, fire of zeal, that, that sense of peace and joy and love and, and, and divine motivation inside of you. Nothing will fan it into flame like the Word of God. Nothing like the Word of God, the promises of God. We've all had the experience of coming in out of the cold and uh, your hands are about to fall off. You can't even feel them anymore. They're numb. You can hardly move them. You come in out of a really, really cold, cold uh, outdoors, and, and you come in, and there's a fireplace, and it's raging, and you immediately run up to it to get warmth from that fire so that everything can thaw out. Listen, our souls and our hearts in this cold world get cold, get icy. We cool to God. We drift so easily. Am I talking to anybody today? I know that I do. If I get out of the Word of God for a week, I'm going to drift a little bit. I mean, my heart's going to get a little bit cool, but I've got a secret, and I'm going to tell you my secret. Every morning, I open up the Bible. Mm. And, and the Word of God lights my... I know... I just like playing with my new toy here. <laughs> but every single day I wake up and I stoke the flame inside of me so that my heart that day won't go cold to God. Because the, the Word of God is like a great big bellows. You know what bellows are? That You walk up to the fireplace and it's that thing you do like this and it blows on the flame. The Word of God, every verse you read is doing this. And it lights your fire. It gets it raging again. Amen. How else are you going to get out there and face the devil and face the world and face all the flesh and all the temptation? You've got to get that bellows out, that fan out, and fan into flame the Word and the fire of God. I'll give you a few promises that get me going. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that will rise up against you in judgment you will condemn. 
The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here, here's one of my top favorites. Here's my top ten. One of my top ten. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. <laughs> promises. Everybody say with me, rehearse. The promises. And when you do, you're fanning the flame. One last one and I'm going to close. Remember His mercies. Rehearse His promises. And rekindle your hope. You've got to rekindle hope. Let me tell you, what. here's the deal. When the flame starts to ebb, that divine motivation, that excitement, that fire, that passion, that zeal for Christ and the things of God, when that begins to wane, your hope goes with it. Your hope is connected. What's hope? Hope is the oxygen for your soul. Hope is oxygen for the soul. Hope is when you wake up and instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning, you say, good morning, Lord. All right? Hope is when you wake up with a confident expectation that something good is coming your way. Because God does good for His children. Hope is when, hope is when you're excited about the future. You're excited about tomorrow. You're not burdened with life. You're excited about what is God going to do next? What, what is he going to do today? Because there's mercy stored up for me. There's blessings stored. What is God going to do today? There's no telling what God may do. I wake up with hope. I, I don't want to wake up in fear or worry or dismay or angst. I want to wake up with hope. And where does hope come from? It comes from the word of God. Really? Oh, listen to this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Faith says, I believe God. Hope says, I expect God. I'm going to do that again. That just came to me. Faith says, I believe God. But hope weds itself to faith and says, I expect God. Because I believe God. Yeah. Because I believe God, I expect to see God move. Amen? Do you have hope today? You have hope? And of course, our ultimate hope is the great hope. One day soon, Christ is coming. Can we stand together, everybody? I couldn't live without hope. No, no, no. Give me hope or let me go home. I don't want to live without hope. Hope is, you need to breathe hope. So, Pastor, I've got so many problems, I can't focus on hope. 
If you've got that many problems, you need hope more than the one next to you, maybe. See, when I read that Bible, it builds my faith and it stokes my hope. And hope fans the flame. Hope fans the flame. Amen? How many of you, let's be honest in closing, can say, the way I used to burn for the things of God, it's been a struggle lately. I've, I, I, okay, there I am. It dropped real bad. All right. So, God wants you to fan that into flame again. So there's a lot of Christians out there just languishing in lukewarmness. I've talked to them. I've come across them. Well, you know, I just kind of got out of church. And I'm okay, you know, I'm saved. Well, yeah, you're saved, but you're dying on the vine. How do you get that flame burning? Remember his mercies. Rehearse his promises. Rekindle your hope. Let's lift our hands, can we? Lord, if there was ever a day and an hour that we needed to burn, it's now. You called us the light of the world. And Lord, you, the great light, the one light, the ultimate light, lit all of your people. But Lord, now that you lit us, we're the keepers of our own flame. And Lord, we're responsible for the burn level of that flame. Is it a two? Is it a five? Is it an eight? Is it a ten? For Lord, we know if we do what you gave us to do to kindle it and keep it burning, it will burn. Everybody say with me, Lord, today, I want passion for you and the things of God. I want my first love to be my constant love. I want excitement about the things of God. Lord, in Jesus' name, help me to burn. Forgive me for anything I've allowed to get in the way, to quench it, to hinder it, or to grieve the Spirit. Forgive me. Lord, set this church on fire and me with it. In the mighty name of Jesus.